Welcome back to episode 17 of Anime Deep Dive, the podcast that does in-depth reviews of different anime series. Due to the extent which plot points will be discussed, a spoiler warning will now be in effect. This is a spoiler review, so if you haven't seen the series and are only looking for a recommendation, there will be a timestamp in the episode description you can skip to called Final Thoughts. This section will be spoiler-free, where I give my overall opinion on a series and whether or not I think it's worth your time to watch it. So now that that's out of the way, let's deep dive into Plastic Memories, released in 2015 by Studio Doga Kobo. It has 13 episodes and only comes in sub. As for how I discovered the series, going into Plastic Memories, I had no idea what to expect. Usually I'd see a show on a YouTube compilation or the poster looked interesting, so I'd add it to the watch list. But to be honest, I don't even remember adding it to my Crunchyroll queue. This is what you would call a happy accident. Plastic Memories takes place in a universe where both human and androids exist. The Psy Corporation has developed androids with human emotion called Giftia to be functional in society. An entire industry has been built around the management and maintenance of Giftia. Giftia are not immortal or indestructible, they have a lifespan of 9 years and 4 months. And when that expiration date nears, terminal services are responsible for the safe retrieval of that specific unit. Owners have the option to keep the same android body that will receive a completely new personality and identity, or have the android body terminated and receive a completely new Giftia. If a Giftia is left in commission past their time limit, the power dampener will break, leaving an android out of control being mentally fractured with fully enhanced physical capabilities. This of course makes them a danger to the public. Psy Corporation's terminal services work in pairs of human and Giftia that are responsible for decommissioning androids before anything like this can happen. Tukasa Mizugaki is a new hire at Terminal Service Station Number 1. He is partnered with a Giftia named Isla, who seems to be given no higher responsibility than making tea. Tukasa fell to misfortune when he failed his college entrance exams due to having appendicitis. So his father used some connections to get him a job within the Psy Corporation. We quickly see how advanced society is in this world, but to Tukasa's dismay, Terminal Services is very underfunded. Tukasa, while eagerly introducing himself to his new co-workers, is met with both awkward and cold stares. Everyone is in close quarters only having one main room to work out of. This doesn't seem like a great environment to work in, but it's not like Tukasa has much of a choice. Tukasa's job is a spotter. He is essentially there to watch over his Giftia partner, making sure everything runs smoothly. The Giftia do the majority of the heavy lifting, being berated by uncooperative clients. Spotters live with their Giftia, and the company dorms are actually really nice. I like how the bed is up in a loft area, and there's a little water cannon in the ceiling corner, just in case there's a fire. Pretty convenient. But poor Tukasa is constantly getting walked in on while he's trying to create a non-awkward home life with Isla, and it's just kind of like, is there no locks on these doors? Which brings us to Isla, who is an angel. We learned she used to be a very accomplished retrieval agent for terminal services, but has been out of the field for quite some time. It doesn't help that Isla is out of practice, so for the first retrieval both her and Tukasa run point on goes horribly wrong, with Isla diving off a balcony into a pile of trash bags. Isla must really be off her game, the way she tried to retrieve Max sounded like a robbery, leading to another chase where she goes falling face first. Because of this, Tukasa keeps covering for Isla, laying down his game kinda early on if you ask me. But Isla's nerves have been so bad, causing her to do poorly at work, and we see just how hard she's been training to get back into the swing of things. She has fear of being left behind again as a partner, so she gives Tukasa a little nudge to see if he's preparing to leave her too. But he doesn't take the bait, and on some level, I think it lets Isla know that he's not going to be abandoning her so easily. Isla kind of lives a secluded life. She doesn't want to make new memories, knowing that it will be more for her to lose when her time comes. She's been living a lonely existence for quite some time, so it's nice to see Tukas' effort slowly starting to wear her down. 
Then we have Michiru and Zack who show Tukasa the ropes and the rules that must be followed when retrieving a Giftia. Zack is the series poster, but he turns on the charm like a pro when it comes time to retrieving a target. And I didn't expect the retrieval process to be so emotional, but it's like Isla says, they're ripping apart memories. Speaking of which, just to put it in there, Marsha's retrieval was the most explored, and I had no idea terminal services may actually have to deal in termination. From there being a SWAT-like task force for taking down out-of-control Giftia, we also get to see Michiru's history with them as well, with her father, and we see the full extent to what a wanderer can do. Marsha was so bubbly, she deserved a proper end in the backseat of one of those coffin-holding smart cars. Instead, due to the dirtbag terminal service impersonator, she was gunned down. And Tukusa having to pull the trigger himself, you could see how difficult it was, but he was saving that young boy's life. And for a moment during that scene, I actually thought Isla was going to get hit with the blast as well. But getting back to a lighter note, I love how Isla was messing with Tukusa, saying, Error, I did not quite catch that. He isn't familiar with Giftia, but she just didn't want to answer his question. I thought that was a really funny moment. And Michiru and Zack are just assholes making the situation even worse by filling Isla's head with distrust towards Tukasa. And look, I hate dealing with new people at work more than the average Joe, but damn Michiru was savage toward Tukasa. Every little thing he did, she just roasted him for it. But she was not the worst employee at Terminal Services. That award goes to Kazuki. This woman is a stick in the mud. She's pretty unfriendly to Tukasa on his first day, and who is she to get annoyed when the boss partners Isla and Tukasa? Like she dropped Isla as a partner and put her into a depression for over damn near a third of her short lifespan. She also ruined Isla's happy place at the amusement park. And Kazuki is partnered with Constance, who is by far the most welcoming and professional of all the workers, so it's kind of funny they just partnered up polar opposites. But I actually really enjoyed Constance when he's away from her. He has some really good moments in the show when uh, him and Tukasa partner up together. We see Kazuki as a lightweight when it comes to the sauce, and I think she wants a little bit of the terminal services bad boy Mr. Honda. Honda is a G and my kind of guy. He put his time in and now he's just all about showing up as he feels like it, keeping a job that's pretty emotionally tense, light, and fun. He had no problem announcing Tukusa got the job with him because of his connections to the big boss, and his partner Sherry seems to be the only one to keep him in line or even have him do the most bare minimum of work. Now I enjoyed our two main characters getting together was a long group effort. Eru plays both sides of putting Isla and Tukusa together, and Eru is just the best wing woman ever. She gives Tukusa all the tricks to get in Isla's good graces. Then she goes full stalker mode following Tukusa around, and bro, when she peeks in the shower and jots down his pecker size, I absolutely died laughing. Michiru, on the other hand, was a bit of a hater for this relationship because she has a little thing for Tukusa. She should have recused herself from giving advice. Living apart was a terrible suggestion with the time that Isla had left. Then Michiru acted surprised when Isla gets the wrong impression when they both come out of the room together. It's like, this is what you wanted, Michiru. Don't act all like shock now. And another fun moment was when they're having a girls' night. Michiru wants to know if Tukasa did anything to Isla for grounds to kick him out of the dorm, while Eru just wants to know for her own little personal fantasies. Some of my favorite moments from this series is when all the work boys literally meet in a conference room to discuss the best way to help Tukasa get with Isla. I can't believe Zack bet against Tukasa's attempt to ask Isla out being successful. That was a real hater move. And while I did enjoy all the advice that the boys gave him at work, Ren is an office worker and one of the guys, but he was massaging Tukasa's arm for way too long when he was giving him advice. It was creepy. As for the game that Tukasa laid down... I gotta say he's a real one, I'm glad Isla heard him say that he was going to stay with her to the end. It's the first time we see a genuine smile from her. Now rating Tukas' dating skills, 
I've never seen someone hit such a high peak just to completely crumble later on. On the first date, he smashed it. He was taken back by seeing Isla in something other than her work uniform, but he kept it together and he complimented her. He took her to one of her favorite spots in the amusement park, but he didn't let her stay in her comfort zone. He opened her eyes to a world of fun on all the rides, getting food, making goofy faces, and ending with a sunset Ferris wheel ride. He killed this date. And he did all this while being exhausted from pushing himself too hard. Then he absolutely blows it on the next outing. Now was he trying to be sociable and mingle? Sure. But Isla is on short time and you're not paying attention to her while you spend time with a girl that she's clearly jealous about. And then he loses Isla. Like they should have been together enjoying fireworks, instead Tukas is running around frantic trying to find her. The only thing he did right was that prolonged hug. He should have given her a great day and then ended with that I love you. Instead he said it after leaving her scared and alone on a bench. If he had did this date right, maybe she wouldn't have shot him down. Tukasa definitely failed heavy on this one. Now I gotta say, re-watching this series hit me so much harder than it did the first time. Isla confessing in front of everyone at work got me good this time. And Kazuki was just a hater trying to break up our lovebirds partnership with only one month left. Kazuki tossed Isla aside and now that she has a chance to finish off her days happy, you want to take her back as a partner? That's friggin' trash, and the argument is, of course, she's helping them get back together, but get out of here with that, they would have figured it out without her meddling. And once our main lovebirds get the BS out of the way and actually start dating, Isla starts writing in her diary again, I thought that was really great. At one point they're cuddled up in the bed and Tukasa gets a sneak peek down the shirt before Isla goes flying down the stairs, and he even gets the coveted lap pillow. Things were going well. Too well. Going into the end of the season for the first time, my speculation and thought process was how is Isla going to get out of losing her memories? Up to this point, all the anime I've seen had happy endings. Even movies, I can't think of the last time I saw a movie where it didn't work out or the villain won and it was actually impactful or well done. Even in sports movies, you know, the team doesn't win the big game, but there's always some greater lesson to be learned. So with this narrow view of the world, I was like, okay, everyone thinks the training course is useless for Giftia, so no one really explores it. My thought was due to Isla training so hard, it strengthened her internal mechanics, extending her time limit. So as we get closer and closer, it wasn't until Isla and Tukasa were about to get on the Ferris wheel that I was like, she's not going to be saved. It just kind of sunk in that this isn't a happy ending, she's going to lose herself. This was a very sad moment, but I don't cry, the most I'll get is like pressure around the eyes. So when I watched this for the first time, it just hit me in the gut. Like, I felt the story took something from me, and even days after, I was still feeling so weird. I've never had any form of storytelling affect me like this. This is the series that had me fall in love with anime. Before it was fun, but this made me care for fictional characters. Lines on a screen. And the way it ended with them kissing on the Ferris wheel, which was the first memory they shared together, Tukasa whispering the same words Isla did for all the giftiest she laid to peace, it was absolutely amazing. Then when he carries her out in his arms, she just looks so at peace. The only way I could describe this ending is beauty and the sadness. Now my second time viewing this ending on my brush up watch, maybe it's because I knew how the story would end, everything hit me so much harder. Earlier in the season, the Nina retrieval got me right in the feels and I'm pretty sure that didn't happen the first time. I was probably just getting introduced to the world on my first go around and attempting to understand the process instead of actually thinking about losing someone you've been with for nearly a decade. So when I was rewatching the ending, I was skipping through because I just could not handle it. 
And I was being honest a moment ago when I mentioned that I don't cry and I did not cry the first time I watched this, but re-watching this ending, like I haven't cried in years and I'm not trying to say that to sound tough. It just like doesn't happen to me, but my God, seeing this again, my throat tense, snot came running down, three teardrops came out of my right eye and one came out of my left. It's been so long that my face doesn't even know how to cry evenly anymore. I'm telling you guys, this story just absolutely destroyed me. As for the end, when Tukasa comes back to Terminal 1 after a few months away training, the show leaves it up to you to decide if he's being introduced to a new partner or if Isla's body was kept and given a new identity. In my opinion, it's not Isla's body and here's why. A few months removed or not, Tukasa seeing Isla's old body, knowing it was a different conscience or not, he would have had a bigger, more dramatic reaction. We see when Eru first sees Andy thinking it's Olivia, she greets her excitably like an old friend. Even though she would have known that Olivia's personality would have been long gone by that time, she still had that reaction because it's just, it's normal, like you see it and it, it brings back your memories. If it was Isla's body that he saw, Tukasa wouldn't have a friendly smile and greeting. If he was looking at Isla's body, he would have had, like, sadness. As for the visuals in this series, the opening two minutes alone are just stunning in color, so I knew it wasn't going to be a struggle to look at. And there was also some great camera work as well. There's a shot in the first episode where we're brought up over the side building, down the back where Terminal Services is. It looked really dope. And quote of the series is a classic coming from Isla. Do you want dinner, a bath, or me? And this doesn't win quote of the series because it's such an inventive line. Like I've said, you'll see this a million times. The fact she got it out of a newlyweds booklet, I absolutely died. She reminded me of Grippin from Girly Air Force in this scene. And now we get to best girl waifu and harem. And just like Griffin again when it comes to best girl, of course it's Isla. Without a doubt. For all the reasons I've already explained, she's just so precious. Of course, I can't give her waifu status. She's built like a child and android or not, she's technically 9 years old. As for her harem, the only girl getting in my harem is Eru. Alright, now we get to final thoughts. Plastic Memories holds a special place in my heart as I explained in the review. I can't even describe how this series affected me. This final thoughts is going to be short and sweet. I don't want to give anything away. Watch this series. Go in blind. Do not read the description or anything. Experience this anime with a blank mind just as I first did. I promise you will not regret it. Alright, that's going to be it for this week. Hope to catch you in the next one. Bye.